Welcome to another episode of the Union Soccer Podcast, where you can download this over at, at the uh, the podcast, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Union Soccer Podcast. My name is John Jansen. You can follow me at JJets34. Joining me, the star of the program, and the one that runs things over the unionsoccerblog.substack.com. Gives you all the union coverage that you need. It is Joe Tanzi. You can follow him at jtanzi 90 Things aren't going well for the Philadelphia Union as of late, and the weekend was probably their worst loss. I this ain't a while, but uh, they haven't lost at home in a very, very long time, since 2001, I think, to be exact. So it's been a while since we've been here, Joe. It's a weird feeling, but obviously there's some perspective we can have in it with it being still March, but also some things that need to be fixed, some performances that weren't great. Uh, there's a lot to go over, Joe. A lot of, uh, is it all just negative? There's, there's still some, you know, it's only March vibes, right? I think you meant 2021 instead of 2001. Uh, yeah, I meant 2021. Yeah. Did I say 2001? I think you said wow. 2001. Whoa. So we're off to a flying start here. Yeah, we're um, off to a let's tremendous start, start. Let's, let's okay. start with the positive. Let's start with the positive. First news. loss at home for the union in 22 <laughs> years. <laughs> That's impossible. Impossible. <laughs> um, Let's start with the positives. We're recording this Wednesday at 1 p.m. Andre Blake is back on the training field. Jim Curtin just revealed that. Uh, and if everything goes right, he'll be on the field on Saturday against Sporting Kansas City. Um, I, th- I think with everything that happened over the, the last two weeks, because we'll include the Montreal game in this. Um, and I have, I have the, the clicker out with the, the Apple TV. Because I do want to get you into have the clicker out. I love it. I, this is this is like a this is my version of Kevin Kincaid's chopsticks, um, it, doing audio, do video review on audio. That's just the type of modern technology we do here at the Union Soccer Podcast. But before we do in, go into the negatives, which there are many, uh, the positive Andre Blake <laughs> is back on the training field. Um, a site for a lot of sore eyes within the union fan base right now. Yeah. Um, it's not been great. So let's start off with the game first because, mm-hmm. uh, cause I know obviously then things yeah. afterwards and Blake and all that, but let's start with the game. It was bad. And there's been a lot of blame put into certain places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily know if it's the right places to do it. Uh, I think Ua is a place that's been criticized, obviously, Bednick with um, with Andre Blake not playing. And again, as you just said, the injury report, um, what the Jim Curtin said, very good and promising for Andre Blake to be back potentially in their next game. But those, I think, are where it's being blamed. Look, the striker, when things are going well, it's easy to blame the striker and the guy that you know you, you paid all this DP money to. And then also the backup goalkeeper, and he's not Andre Blake, so we got to blame him as well. I don't know if that's what I saw. And uh, from the looks of it and from what I've heard, just our talks, even outside of the podcast, it seems like you kind of agree. That's not really the, the place to put blame here. Joe Bendix being blamed be- because he's not Andre Blake. Yes. <laughs> which, which, by the way, <laughs> nobody is. Andre he's Blake a, is one-on-one, man. He, he's being blamed for not for just being human and not superhuman. Um, look, I get it. It was a frustrating as hell Saturday night. And there is a lot of blame that needs to go around. But after, you know, I kind of wrote this on Saturday night, right after the game, and I contextualized some, 
some positive stats on the attacking side, which we'll get into on I did on Monday morning. But I'm looking at this this build up to the the first goal because let's dive right into it because uh, the one TV in my house that agrees with Apple TV because there's some dispute between Apple and Amazon that there's like a, a hang up that leaves me on one login screen. So anyway, on the Roku out here, um, that you know everything about my living uh, situation. <laughs> <laughs> the the situation here with with the first goal. Now, you guys can pull up the highlights if you want to watch along. Uh, some of you, you know have, I'll have, do that. Yeah, I'll, some I'll watch you, the highlights with you. Some of some of you have because I'm just on the match recap because this is really all I'll, I want to get through without going super detaily here. So with the one the 38 mark, whatever 130 mark, ball gets played out from the back and fairly innocuous, whatever. And it all starts to unravel from the start of the, the, the first ball win. So the goal kick, goal kick happens from Orlando. Leon Flock misses an assignment, middle of the field, and a player just, he sneaks right in front of Jack Elliott. Excuse yeah, it looks me. like Jack and, Elliott's yeah. trying to overcompensate for the missed assignment, right? Everyone's like, trying to overcompensate. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so he, yeah. he sneaks in between Jack Elliott and Leon Flock. First mistake, ball win, middle of the field, chest it down, bang. Before the pad, the final pass is even made, you have one, two, three, four defenders. First of all, in a really bad shape, Kai Wagner is, is tucked a little too far in on the left. Um, Jack Elliott... His body positioning is straight at, I believe it's Pereira who, who played the final ball. Gleznes' back is towards goal. Baizo is sideways. So, boom, what happens? Jack Elliott, instead of making a recovery run, his first, let's see, one, two, three, let's see, look, first two and a half steps are sideways to make up for the ground that he's already lost. And by that point, he can't catch – no, um, look, he's just trying to yeah. stop the pass from going through, but that's so, almost that's so really hard to please, do. Please tell me, does Andre Blake make that save when the ball gets finished into the, the right side of the net? Maybe. But you can't blame Joe Bendick for being put in that situation and being hung out to dry by all four of his defenders. There's absolutely no effort like, well, let's Orlando, just say this. Even if Blake yeah. is there, they just gave up. But that is a golden opportunity Correct. for Orlando, whoever is in goal. So Correct. Blake can get you out of that situation. Yes, and that's why Blake is so good, mm-hmm. and that's why he's goalkeeper of the year, and that's right. why the Philadelphia Union is as good as they are. But that can't happen. No matter who's no matter who's in net, that cannot happen. Correct. And that's that's the point I'm trying to make here. And if if Joe Bendick saves this, he saves it, and maybe we, we're poo-pooing a, a poor start again. And, you know, it, you know, it, it, it seems to, uh, I'm trying to kind of get a a perfect grasp on, on what it is. Is it, is it defense? Is it goalkeeping? Is it communication between goalkeeping and, and defense? Like, um, what what is it? So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is I think it's on the defenders, 
but it feels like in the in the comments with Jim Curtin is there's a little bit of a a slight nod towards the communication between goalkeeper and defenders and maybe that's the reason why these mistakes are happening but sure and it helps to have I, one of your leaders out I can the, I can I can say that is is Montreal but I I can, I can say that with the Montreal game because okay you don't know maybe you're just used to Andre Blake tipping the ball over the bar and and that's about it um but I I don't know I like I just kind of like I feel like the the anger about the back four is just being put in a, a wrong spot because I do think Glezis and Elliot have kind of avoided the criticism. Um, Elliot was was bad the entire game. I mean, let's go let's go to the second goal because it just hey Matt Childs pulled up. Guess where Jack Elliot gets pulled up? Way too forward, and then it becomes this this whole situation where. The union are in scramble mode. He again gets pulled too far up. So like, yeah. And then that, this you're is, talking about the first goal, right? Now, now we're at that. No, one. we're, we're on okay. to the second goal. So Jack Elliott's all the way at midfield when this this second this move to the second goal happens. Yeah. So you already have a center back out of position. Glezis is going with his runner. So again, Jack Elliott's first say two steps are in recovery mode. So he gets back. It's fine. He blocks a shot, but then. They win the second ball, Orlando does. Flock, Flock, who is also bad, um, is kind of running back, circling back, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. He's in damage control. So that forces Elliott to step up because Flock's out of position. And boom, pass gets slotted through. And again, sure, if you want to complain about Bendik or not making the save that Andre Blake would make, that's fine. But man, look, it's it's these little things. And it's it's the part of the back line that has been so solid for so long, right? Because you have two defender of the year candidates. And is it, do you just chalk it up to a really sloppy start? Sure. You can, you can say that, but like, it's a trend now. It is a trend. And that is the problem. It is a trend. It happened. You know, it was a slow start against Columbus you can forgive that own goal first game of the season, whatever, because they responded to that. Miami almost score off the opening kickoff. That's very concerning. Out of position on the the two goals. Now, we contextualized that after the Miami game and said, okay, they had Champions League. They responded in the Champions League, so you can excuse that. But then it becomes, you know, it's, it's a sluggish performance against um, Chicago whatever, like, you win the game. You take it and you, and you leave it where it was. But then you have two errors for the Montreal game. You have a triangle of players waiting for a ball to bounce off the bar and not in position, and then it, it ends up, you know, getting you know, a goal gets scored there, and VAR review this, VAR review that. They were in, they're out of position, and it's it's a defensive mistake. And the third goal just becomes utter calamity because everybody is out of position. And then these two goals are just, it's a disaster in defensive positioning. And then it leaves the goalkeeper hung out to dry. And yes, does Andre Blake probably make one of those two saves? Sure. If you're, if you're going to go down the path, if you're really, if you're really set on 
on blaming Joe Bendick than blame Joe Bendick. But if you, you go back and you look at the replays of these two goals, and if you look at the, you know, watching the game from up top too, you could see Elliot's out of position a lot. And this just isn't on the goals. Lesnar's, you know, it gets hung out to dry a little bit because Elliot's chasing. And part of that chasing is due to, to Leon Flock chasing away as well. You know, yeah. he doesn't cover as much ground as, as Jose Martinez's, which begs the question, did Jim Curtin get the lineup selection wrong? Should Jesus Bueno should have been in there and, and Flock be the defensive closer on the bench? I think that should be criticized more than anything. I think the Donovan starting whatever, like you give the guy a chance, I get it. But Chris Donovan didn't cost you two goals because if you, if you take the, the, the 10 minutes of just disaster out of the, the question, like they played a half decent game without a lot of attacking firepower and they still created, you know, they generated a lot in, in expected goals. They just didn't come through. And we find out after the game that Michael Ua is, you know, can't keep anything down for 24 hours before the game. <laughs> you know, that's why he walked that's off the field. That's not ideal. That's not ideal for your, your own striker. And oh, by the way, the other striker you should have had available, Julian Carranza, committed yeah, seven that's, that's fouls a, that's against issue. Montreal. He, he like, had to be there for like they, he, he had, had to be available. For and Jim and Jim Curtin just even mentioned it in the, the press conference this afternoon. Julian Kranz's second yellow. Does that become a a four point mistake? Like if we're if we're really gonna toss blame on somebody, maybe because he wasn't on the field Saturday, everybody forgot about him. But is that a four point mistake from okay. Julian Carranza? Yeah. yeah. Because you can you're already short, and now you're yeah, short you're, already, you're already short. Now you're short yeah. another guy who's also one of your best players. Yeah, that's, right. That's bad. That's and, very and very bad. And then when you have the the attacking trio, like I get it that the Donovan wasn't good enough. I agree with that. But if you look at the numbers from this game, they, they generated a decent amount of XG and the the shots and that the pressure was there. Like everything they're doing, they're supposed to do within their their four four two system. They were doing, they were following those principles. It's just when they got into the box, it just wasn't working. And when you have a under the weather top tier striker, and when you have a a striker in Chris Donovan who isn't at MLS level, well, what's the reason why Chris Donovan's yeah. on the field? It's not because of international duty. It's because Julian Carranza got suspended. So, like, throw all the blame you want. I get it. You're frustrated, but when you when you look back on the game, it's very clear that Elliot struggled. It's very clear that Flock struggled. And it's very clear that Carranza left this team shorthanded with the second yellow. And you have, I mean, I see Bendik, I see Ua, and that's all I see. For the majority, you know, there were a few people out there criticizing the right people, but like, I get it. You're frustrated. And the goal scorer doesn't score. But guess what? That goal scorer saved your ass a week ago and scored two goals. So it's not like he's underperforming. In fact, you know, I looked through the stats on, on Monday. He's actually performing pretty well compared to the rest of the league. But the problem is 
they're not matching the eye test. And because they're not matching the eye test, uh, the criticism goes directly to the striker. Well, yeah, well, when it comes to the yeah. striker too, I feel like um, things outside of just goals don't get credited to the striker. Right. Like, I don't think it will get credited for stretching the field and it turning into a goal. You know, he, he gets credit for, does he put one in the back of the net? That's what people want to see. And when that's not happening, and especially they start losing and they're not scoring enough goals, then it becomes, okay, well, why aren't you scoring those goals? But I, I think he has been impactful in a way of, I think he has been directly responsible for goals that weren't his. Yeah. And that's the, the whole situation to me is if you're going to be, um, if you're going to be in, in, in defense, like uh, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of at a loss for words for the, the, the criticism of, of the forwards, because I actually think, and statistically shown they are like, I think it's the defense. It's the problem. Yeah. It doesn't happen often. I don't no. know when's the last time you actually could have said that and that'd be true. But yes, it Jack Elliott had a bad game. Leon Fock had a bad game. Correct. You know, like those those guys were hard and they directly led to, I think, the two goals that ended up winning it for Orlando. Yeah, I think that it's I, it's I almost like that, when it's so I'll, it's I'll, cause, I'll it's cause, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Because this happens in sports a lot. When there's really good players and they start to maybe not play well, it's hard to criticize them because you know they are very good. And so you don't want to criticize them because you you think those guys are usually good. Like, you know, they're not the problem. But I think in this case, like, yeah, is Elliot going to be fine? I think so. Is Leon Flock going to bounce back from this? I absolutely think so. But it's it's sometimes hard to, to put that into your mind that, you know, good players play bad, but it happens all the time. Like every player in every sport, it happens to him. Peyton Manning has had bad games. Michael Jordan has yeah. had bad games. Like Tom Brady has had bad games. Like it happens to even the best. And even here, Elliot's one of the best center backs and he had a really bad game. I think that's mm-hmm. just, I think it's fine to, to say. Yeah. I just, it, it feels like it's a, it's a cause and effect here where the cause is there's so many defensive errors and they're putting the team, like they're putting them behind facing deficits. And the effect is now, well, the attack isn't doing enough. Like it, it feels like the attackers are getting the the criticism that the defenders deserve. Because and maybe maybe it's because we're giving them a pass from last year and oh they'll figure it out. But shouldn't you be doing the same thing? The and attack it's still and March. Yeah, and it's still yeah. more in Champions League. Like and more. also like let's again, uh, let's kind of go into the the grand contextualization of, of yeah. this yeah. of the start now you're in eighth place you're two three and oh okay not good but also not bad the sky isn't falling yet um your three-time goalkeeper of the year ha- has been out for a few games um and it's and there's been signs over the last few games where okay this team is it looks like itself like if if you take that forty to fifty minute stretch in Montreal when Carranza's running the game, Ua scores twice, they look at themselves, but then they hit the self destruct button. So the good part to me, this is it's still a bad part, but the good part is it feels like they're fixing the the calamitous errors. Maybe too late though, so like first 10 minutes of Orlando first 
10 minutes against Miami. Um, First 10 minutes against Montreal. And then the last 10, the last five against Montreal, like they're not playing a complete 90 yet. Um, And that's the frustrating part. And because they're not playing the complete 90, they're leaving themselves open to mistakes. I I think this has nothing to do with champions. (laughs) Yeah, Honestly, when, you, it, it, when you start off yeah. down 1-0, 2-0, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're if, more open to mistakes than usual. And you want me to be, like, completely honest? Because I've, I've had a few people ask me, like, what's wrong? Um, I think it's mental. I don't think it's it, it's physical. Like, Jim Curtin has talked multiple times now about the um, <sighs> dealing with mistakes. And every time he, he talks about the, the bad starts, the bad starts just get worse. Like, is it just um, kind of in their heads capturing the what the actual expectations of this club should be in 2023? Like, no one, and every I've seen some comments on Twitter about this, no one's going to sit here and say five to six goals per game should be the norm. But, no. But, no, but, no, two no. To, but two to three and clean sheets at home – and road draws where you can be proud of the performance, yes. Like, that's what we're asking for. We're asking you to keep the, the same standard that you had from, from 2021 and in, in parts of 2022 before this offensive breakout happened, which, by the way, I posted this on Monday. You can go read it over in the Substack. There is a plenty of attacking numbers that suggest they might score five against Kansas City. <laughs> you know, they're, they're doing everything right. The numbers suggest that. Like, the in-house data, I'm sure, suggests that as well. I'm sure that's the message that's being preached. And, hey, maybe if if Carranza, Gazdag, Martinez, um, you you name it, who comes off the bench, you know, they, they had nobody to empty the tank off the bench for 30 minutes in that game. So, like, that's the, that's the problem. Like, to me, that's, that's where I see it. I think it's, it's dealing with and, and managing the expectations. Like, it's okay if you guys just win 2 nothing. You don't have to put pressure on yourself to score five. You'd love to score five, but you don't have to. You can win 2 nothing, and everybody here is going to sit here and say, great game, let's continue to, that streak of form. I think that's what everyone's looking for. They're looking for the consistency at this point. It's not there. No. And, then, and the second you think it's there, it gets, it gets pulled away from you. Like... No one expected this Orlando game to be five nothing, not even maybe two nothing, with the the players available. But you put yourself in a in a terrible position by the guys who were actually supposed to be out there, the starters. We we talked last week. The entire starting back line's available, and they just put you in the hole. Like I get it, Leon Flock is not Jose Martinez, but there's got to be if some cover for that. Like if if Flock is is running around chasing players, then Elliot and Glesnes are the ones that have to cover for that. And Elliot just you know left his teammates out to dry on a few of those positions. Yeah, like, he really did. It it was just mistake, then mistake, then mistake, and then we all just sit here and say, well, Joe Bendick should have stopped that because Andre Blake might have had a twenty five percent better chance of of denying it. Like if, if, like if Andre Blake, like I'm just thought exercise. If Andre Blake doesn't make those two saves, are we blaming Andre Blake? No, 
It's the same thing. You're right. right. It's the same thing I said about Elliot and stuff. Like you're, you're not going to blame your best player because he. Right. When when do they do something wrong? Right. So like it's it's okay to admit like your best players had bad games. But to me, it's just like I'm reading all this criticism and it's Bendik, 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 and I'm like, okay, sure. You want to criticize him not being in, in perfect position on a breakaway goal by like a few inches, sure. If that's what you really want to plant your flag on, go ahead. But at least understand, he wasn't the one that made at least three mistakes to to put himself in that spot. Yeah. So let me let me ask. And, he, and by the way, by the way, after yeah, yeah I'll get to this. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. but I know it was an offside play, but he showed up immediately after the goal, the Perea goal. I know. I think it ended up being called offside, but he he made a body save. Like I think he made one. Made a few of them in, in the second half as well. And we're forgetting about that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's because that is the normal from the goal, goalkeeper position. So, like, I, I don't know. I just – I look at the 90 and I look at what Bendik did and he's not the, he's not the blame. He's not the, the main culprit here because your, your all-star center backs are – and your starting midfielder who's supposed to have some good defensive cover – just just failed you one night, but that's what it was. So what's happening with the union, and you've mentioned this, and it's a lot of like the first 5, 10, 15 minutes. Very, very slow starts that have been happening all year. Um, it's happened from the first game up until now. Bad starts. We always talk about tactically in like the 60th minute, you know, what lineup decisions do you make? You know, who you bring in, who you substituting, all that stuff. Uh, and we talk about the formations that you may be able to change or certain guys you bring in, all of that. What can they do for this? Is this just get it out? It's a mental block and you got to figure it out. Or can there be, I'm not saying maybe change formation. I don't, I don't think it's that, but what, what adjustments can be made? Cause I think there, there's a part of it. that's just like, yeah, it's a mental block, but is there mm-hmm. anything that can also be done to be like, okay, this isn't working, you know, Maybe the first 10 minutes because teams know how to attack. Teams know what the union do. Maybe they just know how to attack it. Or again, I think mostly it's just, I think guys are out of position, but how, what is, is there anything to, to maybe combat that to like do something different to make sure, Hey, this doesn't keep happening because right now they're just doing the same thing and it just keeps happening yeah. over and over again. So Curtin said, I think after I want to say the Chicago game mm-hmm. to do like the simple things and not try to overcomplicate and that that was referring to the attack and i think that can be applied to the the defense as well as like just stick to your your defensive principles stick to you know the game plan don't try and over exert yourself because if you look at elliot on those two goals that's what happened he tried to overcompensate for one mistake and it becomes this catastrophic sequence of events and it happened one after another um so i think it just comes down to just simplifying things in their head i don't think it has it personally i think it has nothing to do with tactics it's nothing to do with the formation right. i think it just has it comes down to just really bad Executed. execution <laughs> yeah right it's just simple because they did this all last year with you know, well they, let me say this yeah i hate to say they need a break but maybe break maybe damien low in maybe like 
I don't know. I'm not saying like they got to do the whole uh, Jim Curtin has to do the whole Embizo thing because Bizo right. was making all these mistakes. He put in Harriel. Harriel played well for a time, but you knew Bizo had to be him because he's talented and really good. And that time off did wonders for him because he's come back. And I, I really haven't really nothing bad really has come out of Bizo. Everything's been really mm-hmm. good. And uh, even the last game, I, I don't think there was anything necessarily wrong with what he's done. I think he's been pretty good. But is there something like a reset that needs to be made for either Glesnitz or, in this case, I think in particular, Elliot? I don't know because I don't know if a Glesnitz low pairing could work. Okay. Like, I think it – and the reason I say that is because they feel like the, the similar player. Yeah. Right. Um. And I don't know if if that's what Jim wants out there with uh, with the center back pairing because I believe it's been Elliot Low um, as the pairing with Glesnitz at the rest so far. Um, I, I you know I brought that thought up a little bit in in my head. Is is that something that could work? Um, would Damian Low end up just being better than Jack? Could like could we run into a situation? Whoa! whoa. Could we run into a situation? <laughs> what's this twenty? 2020, right? Is my brain right? Let me make sure I have the year right. Because yeah, I, I want to, I, I want to mold together to me. <laughs> <laughs> after, after like the pandemic started, I everything, know I get years wrong all the time now. Everything pre 2021, 2022, and yeah. 2020 are all like just the same year to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all right. I was good because the the original thought I had was wrong. I was a year too far ahead. Perfect. Okay, 2019. Austin Trusty, Jack Elliott, Mark McKenzie. Now, again, this is going to be a, probably a completely different comparison because there's so many games this year where you need three center backs yeah. and you're not just leaving one on the bench. But it could remind me of that where Jim just has a, a preferred center back if it even gets to that point. You know, we could we could be doing all this, you know, all this breakdown and they come out, have a clean sheet against Kansas city. Yeah, we're not talking about this game Elliot getting time off or anything, right? right. They're fine. And yeah. So I think, I think that's, that's I think it's, only, I think it's gotten bad enough only, right now that it's yeah. worthy of these conversations. And also let's say it low has played well enough. You're like, well, right. if there's some problems here, why don't they give him a shot and, and play and it, a little bit more? Cause he's been really good when he's on. And we should probably go a little further up the field with Andres Perea in a second too, and talk yeah, about like, where he should play. Uh, 100%. Um, I think you're right. Because we haven't gotten so, to that part yet, yeah. the good part. <laughs> the only good part, yeah. Yeah, right, right, the only good part. Uh, um, so, yeah, I don't know if it will reach 2019 levels with when you had McKenzie and Elliott and uh, Austin Trusty was the odd man out, then it gets traded to Colorado, and it took him a while at Colorado to, to find his own. And, you know, you're not going to get that extreme of a situation. But it could be, you know, say we're, we're midsummer and there's just a little bit of an inching forward in, in form with Damian Lowe, maybe that's the case. Um, but I don't know. It, I think it's still way too early to say, well, Jack Elliott shouldn't be starting. Jacob Glesner shouldn't be starting. Um, I think that the thought may creep into some people's heads because Damian Lowe's played so well. But yeah. again, who's to say... He's, he's played well enough that like, you kind of have right. that in the back of your mind. Uh, and, but who's to say you know, Kansas City on Saturday, Atlas on Tuesday... Hundred um, percent. Two clean sheets and everything gets yeah. You know, that was the the hard reset that this team needed. It, that that could actually be the case. Um, 
and and looking forward into the future that Cincinnati game in two weeks might be just a, a big waste of 90 minutes because of, of what, what would be ahead on the road at Atlas. But yeah, I, I think that's something where uh, you're going to see all three center backs at some point in the next two weeks because of the, the schedule congestion. And, you know, Damian Lowe, as Jim Curtin said in the press conference, had a really good performance against Mexico for uh, Jamaica this week. It's just with, um, with Lowe, he, he, did he leave early with an injury? Was it tactical? You know, he's not coming back until tomorrow um, from international duty. So we'll, we'll get a, a full idea of if, if he's dealing with something or not. It was, there were like reports of an oblique, but um, nothing new on, on that front. Um, yeah. But I mean, at healthy, I mean, you're going to see all three center backs. The promise has been made. It's already been, been shown um, in practice already this year. So, I don't think it'll reach 2019 levels where we're, oh, this guy's an odd man out because there's just so many games. Um, and the hope is there are a ton of games. But yeah, that's it's kind of where we're at. We're just bad performance. The mistakes have compounded. And now again, I, I think I said this here last week and, and two weeks ago, if the mistakes continue, then you worry. I, I'm not saying bring the panic button out yet because there were so many circumstances around last week. Um, let me see what happens when Andre Blake's got a few more, few more games under him, when there's stability in the back line, when the front three is playing together, I think everything is going to be okay. I understand uh, there's a difference between being frustrated with one result, um, and it being the tipping point of just some early season frustration as to, oh, they're going to have a complete dip throughout the entire season. Like, I, I think it's important to kind of differentiate the two just because they have a an okay five games doesn't mean at game 34 they're going to suck or they're going to be in fifth place this is still very much a a first or second place or third place you know it's a top three team in, in the eastern conference so the doom and gloom i don't think should be there yet it's a very long season and and we could we we, we are in we could be sitting here in October and and just laughing about, hey, remember when this happened? And and there's a, a larger sample size to suggest this is just a blip on the radar than a, a trend that will continue for 34 regular season games and on to Leagues Cup and Open Cup and, and Champions League as well. All right, let's get to the one good thing, and you mentioned it. Uh, Perea, how do they get him on the pitch more? Right. That is the... <laughs> That is the big one. How do you get him on the field? <sighs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you put him. Because you look at where he's being placed. Um, I think he's Alejandro Bedoya's long-term replacement. And this, this will address the other player who gets a lot of criticism, Bedoya. Um, Bedoya is still out plug it away doing everything that's asked of him in the lineup and whether it be in-house data that every time you talk to Curtin and Bedoya they're not just saying to say Bedoya is at the top of a lot of the, the fitness metrics they're saying it because of that it's true <laughs> and like he, he keeps getting better and, and is able to go the ninety. Yes, would you like to to rotate him in and out a little bit with a 55-game season? 
sure, that point's valid. But to be like, he's he's the source of the problem. Why is Jim Curtin keeping him on so long in every game? Well, it's because he's effective. He's doing his job. He has the combination on the right side of the field where they, they are attack heavy. So what do you do with Andres Perea? Because Bedoya is still your first choice on the right side of, of midfield. And they seem to be committed to Leon Flock, Jack McGlynn on the left side. So where does it leave Andres Perea? Because we're getting to a point, again, to repeat what I've said for a lot of other things, we're still five games into the season in MLS play, seven overall. Um, he's playing his way into the starting lineup. There's no doubt about that. But where do you put him? Because it gets very crowded very quick. And do you do you play him on the left and have him there um, as a, a more attacking player for Flock and then Flock and McGlynn come off the bench? Uh, do you rotate him in with Bedoya for road games? I don't know, but I think Andres Perea, more than Joaquin Torres, has knocked on the door of the starting 11 very, very fast. Yeah, they got to find a way. That's all I know. And by the way, Bedoya, um, he also had a decent game, a little, little solid game as well. So uh, he's still playing extremely well. And uh, Philadelphia Union, at least one thing going right. Perea just got to figure some things out with him. All right, so let's move on to the Union's next matchup, Sporting Kansas City. And, uh, Joe, I'm looking. I'm on. I, I go on ESPN.com, and that's where I check out the MLS scores. And uh, I see Sporting KC. I see the thing form underneath of them. And right next to that, I see L. L D D L uh, Joe, there's no W's in there. So uh, Sporting Kansas City's got to go through something here. Yeah, and there's a lot of fr- <laughs> you think there's a lot of frustration with the union. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's another team feeling even more frustration at the moment. Yeah, so I think that's I don't know. It's uh, they scored the opening goal against Seattle last week, and then Jordan Morris just decided to just rip through them. Uh, so yeah, that that's a a thing that happened with them. I mean, talk about a team with. With poor luck, I mean, they're leading. They were leading the league in shots on target. You and I were talking about on the betting preview last week. They were due for a, a breakout attacking performance, and uh, yeah, it it appeared for about ten minutes, and then it was gone. <laughs> um, I'll do the cliche: they're better than the record in- indicates. Uh, they will be. Um, a lot of people expected Kansas City to have a bounce back season and be top, say, five in the Western Conference. Uh, even saw there were some MLS Cup uh, predictions for them. Alan Polito will be 100% healthy at some point. Uh, they have a deep set of attackers, but uh, it's just not clicking right away for them. And it, it's unfortunate for them that they come into a, a situation now against the Union where they're as frustrated and they're looking for a, a breakout type of performance and or just maybe not even a breakout, just a, a regular <laughs> disaster list performance. Um, so it both teams come in with the kind of the same mindset of just wanting to get right. But also the union are still in better shape in, in Kansas City. At least they've they've won two games. I would Kansas hope City, so. Kansas I would City, really hope so, Joe. Kansas City is a complete because their two draws are goalless draws. Yeah. So it's they're not scoring. Um, 
and then, I mean, they're, they're lost on the road to Portland, lost on the road to Dallas, no slouch there, but then to, to have Seattle, who had a few uh, absences of their own in, um, across the board for international duty, to lose that game at home in the way in which they did, I think that's very concerning for them. And it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic, to say the least, coming into this game. So the Philadelphia Union here have a good get-right spot. Do you think they can get it done, matchups, uh, things like that for this weekend? I mean, we've, said it the, we've said it how many times before this season already. Like, yes, I genuinely think if, if the Union at their best show up on, um, on Saturday. Hey, this is going to be an 8 nothing game. <laughs> Uh, that they win this game and and set the tone for the the Atlas game. I think that's the this is kind of what your your goal is here is to to set up the point to um to Atlas. Like you don't want to go into the Champions League game with a sour taste in your mouth from defensive mistakes. Like if 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 last week's game was going into Atlas even though there are so many international absences and Blake's not there and Carranza's not there, the morale of the group isn't there. So I think it's important to first and foremost, hold a clean sheet, or if we really want to simplify it, play a clean first 10 minutes. I think there would be people in attendance that are like, all right, if we get through 10 without conceding, it's, it's a positive step in the right direction. So yeah, I, I'm I'm very interested to see how this all plays out. But if Blake's back, that's a little bit of a boost. Um, Carranza's back, Gazdag's back. Like I, I think that does end up helping them and getting back to to where they were. Because if if you take, and I know I've said this a few times already, if you take that little sliver of say 40, 50 minutes from Montreal, how they responded, if that now extrapolates to ninety minutes at home where Andre Blake's healthy, there's maybe a little less, um, a little less space for mistakes in defense because there's, there's some comfortability there. Like could be something as simple as that, that unlocks everything. And yeah, reference to the post I made on Monday, the attacking numbers are there, you know, Kai Wagner's doing what he's supposed to do when he, when he goes forward, Alejandro Bedoya is, is getting forward with the, the right back and, and playing well and combining there, you know, Carranza and, and Ua um, are statistically um, near the top. And when it comes to some of the uh, attacking stats and, and Gazdag's run, running the show too. So I, like, I don't have, I don't have major concerns about this attack just because I see the numbers. I see what the eye test, like you can see it's, it's not totally clicking, but the Montreal game gives you hope. Um, even though they didn't score after the Perea goal, there were some ideas there against Orlando that you could say, okay, they know what they're doing. It's just not completely clicking on the field. Same thing with Chicago. You know, four goals are four goals against Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those are there. So like, and let's not forget the, the CCL game against Alianza where it, that game was done and dusted by halftime with the help of um, some calls, but they still played well enough in the final third. So the problem here is 
you want consistency. You don't just want like little splotches across the data plot here of, well, this game was good. This game was bad. This game was good. This game was average. You want just good and then peaking to great in some of these matches. And uh, that's where the frustration seeps from. I, I don't think it's a, it's not a sky's falling situation. You know, you need about 10 or 15 games to, to get to that point. And a Champions League elimination for that to happen. Um, we're not there yet. And uh, I think Saturday, Saturday, I think, is about just alleviating some, some frustration. Or, and in the case of the players, maybe taking some out. Yeah, absolutely. And taking some out. But also, uh, they do have a Champions League game coming up. This isn't the game you expect many changes. What do you expect in terms of lineup and substitutions and things like that? Really, this isn't the game that uh, from, you know, things in the past or, or certain other situations like this where they have a couple of games during the week or whatever the case may be. But the first one isn't the one that they make the changes like this. This should be all systems go. Nothing, nothing changed. Right. Yeah. I think this is the, the spot that they'll be fine in. Yeah. Um, because look, it's home. You want to create some positive momentum going into Atlas, and you're at home for the first leg. That's the important part. You're not traveling to to Mexico on short rest. Um, so I think they'll be up for it. They'll be up for those two games. Again, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong many times again. But I think the the road game against Cincinnati um, next Saturday is maybe where you see some rotation, some fresh faces, and the squad that's going to be on the field starting against Atlas in the second leg and down in Mexico. I think you'll see some of those guys rested against Cincinnati. That way they are fresh because that's going to be a battle and it's going to be result dependent as well. Like, I mean, look at what Atlas did in, in their, in their round of 16, they were down with four one after the first leg um, against Olympia and end up coming back at, at home uh, and, and go through because of that away goal. Like, so it really is going to be results dependent. Like if you can, if you can hold Atlas to a clean sheet um, uh, on Tuesday, that's more important than say maybe scoring um, scoring five goals is important, but like that's more important than, or I don't think important is the right word I'm looking for, but that's, that's better, better than conceding one away goal and having that loom over you going back down to Mexico. So it's going to be all situational. We can sit here and say, we know what Jim Curtin's going to do. Jim Curtin doesn't know what Jim Curtin's going to do yet uh, for the, these set of four games. But we do know we do know squad depth is going to be key. We've seen some of these guys already step up. And I think, and, and Jim's going to say this in the week building up to it. He's going to say it after the Kansas City game that they're not focusing on Atlas yet. That's fair because they do want to focus on getting right and beating Kansas City. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out situationally as we move forward into April because you have now a game you should win at home, but now you there's extra pressure on you to win to get right. You got to win or at least hold Atlas scoreless um, in the first leg of Champions League. And then the Cincinnati road game, a road game in mid-April in between Champions League games doesn't really matter at this point. So that's the the way you kind of look at it. Maybe they're mapping it out, but I think first and foremost, they're worried about getting Andre Blake back on the field Saturday, getting a, a solid, nice. getting a solid performance on Saturday 
yeah uh, to set to set the team morale up for that'd uh, a be really nice strong that, Tuesday. Joe, Joe that all sounds very nice I would love that's the that. ideal way of how this yeah, thing's gonna go <laughs> I would absolutely love that so uh, I'll I guess we'll end on this since we uh went over the the match week uh against Sporting Kansas City all the things in Orlando um the panic meter one to ten with ten being very much panic 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 uh, where is the panic meter? Let's let's set the panic meter right now. It can't be at a zero, so I'm going to say three. Just yeah, I because felt like three. I felt like three was a good number too. I was yes. thinking a three or a four, uh, but we'll, just, we'll go with three. Just because we're at the state where the the first ten minutes have become I, a trend. <laughs> you you want to do this exercise? What if they lose the sporting case? Well, then we'll <laughs> we'll reassess on, five, on Monday. A six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll reassess after that <laughs> good lord let's not even think about that uh all right. all right joe what do you got coming up with the union soccer blog uh, i know you're gonna have posts and things up obviously we got a match this weekend of course champions league coming up so i'm sure plenty coming from you and of course jim Curtin press conference and quotes and blake and all these things yeah it's gonna be a light week in terms of of travel ahead of kansas city being down chester because uh Saturday, Monday, Tuesday in Chester is um, <laughs> it is a brutal set of uh, of trips. Uh, so maybe we'll we'll sneak down tomorrow. Um, but yeah, or I'll sneak down. I don't know who we is. I hate when people do that, and here I am doing that. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing too crazy. Just a regular match week, and we ramp things up very heavily over the next oh yeah four or five days yep it is going to be a busy one so go union blog.substack.com also follow joe for all the union updates at jtanzy90 you can follow me at jjanson34 again this is the union tucker podcast you can check us out wherever we're all over the place uh, especially on the apple podcast spotify uh what else joe is it google whatever everything. wherever you get podcasts wherever everything you can find your podcast wherever you can find a podcast we're going to be there for you and uh, talking to you through all things philadelphia union we'll be back next week with more here on the union soccer podcast